faith, hope, and love abide. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is what and who you are. Love is your deepest essence, a wellspring inside of you welling up into limitless life. The path of conscious love is a relationship calling forth who you really are. Welcome to Coalesce, a series of honest, inclusive, and contemplative reflections. Living in relational wholeness, we enter our. We pray Coalesce will enrich and deepen your experience along the path of conscious love. Good day, good people. This is episode 62, Love, Mercy, and Justice. I am Reverend Robert Farrell, and no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. Each week, we share in contemplative reflection as an opportunity to listen from your heart. So please, at any time, if the audio or video seems to not be working, just let me know in the chat. There is a little bit of a delay, but I'll uh, be sure to monitor the chat for that. And for those of you that uh, were sharing your concerns earlier, my dad is home again, so he's very happy to be there. He's got a little bit of recovery to go and some more doctor visits, but he's doing well. Thank you. These contemplative gatherings that uh, we offer from contemplative inner being differ from other spiritual gatherings in how we are present and how we listen. To listen from the heart is to listen with a sustained receptivity to a beauty not yet thought about. It is listening with a contemplative state of attentiveness, perhaps as compared to an intellectual state of attentiveness. You see, contemplation isn't about mastering what I'm saying. It is about being mastered by what mastered what I'm saying. We often just rush too soon to the conclusion and don't rest long enough in sustained humility of allowing ourselves to be interiorly accessed by that beauty not yet thought about. So you're offered this time to let go and enter into a deeper silence. Here you can open to and embrace questions and grace just as Psalm 42 states, Deep calls to deep. Let the holy waves pass over you. So let's settle into this path of conscious love and begin by getting grounded into that state of sustained receptivity. And we'll start with a two-minute grounding practice.
For many of us, this moment feels chaotic and terribly stressful. Join us for a few moments to turn inward and connect to your innermost you. Gently close your eyes and feel the gentleness of breath inside your body as you repeat these words. My deepest me is love. My deepest me is whole. My deepest me is limitless. My deepest me is infinite. My deepest me is compassion. My deepest me is sacred. My deepest me is mystery. My deepest me is forgiveness. My deepest me is beauty. My deepest me is God. My deepest me has knowledge to give. I open my heart and listen. So stay with that sustained receptivity as we listen to this reflection. And we begin tonight by expressing our gratitude for Walter Brueggemann, Rene Girard, Elia Delio, and Richard Rohr. Love, mercy, and justice. One of the great themes of the Bible is called the preferential option for the poor or the bias toward the bottom. Moses, himself a man at the bottom, a murderer on the run and caring for his father-in-law's sheep, first encounters God in a burning bush. The encounter is nature-based and transcendent at the same time. From Exodus 3.5, Take off your shoes, this is holy ground. This religious experience is followed by a call to a social concern for Moses' own oppressed people. This is the perfect integration of action and contemplation. First, the transformative experience takes place through the burning bush. Immediately, it has social, economic, historical, and political implications. Because authentic God experience situates you in the world in a very different way. The Exodus story is the root of all liberation theology, which Jesus fully teaches and exemplifies, especially in the three synoptic Gospels, 
And you can see this in Luke 4, 18 and 19. Liberation theology focuses on freeing people from religious, political, social, and economic oppression and structural sin and institutional evil. Liberation theology reads reality, history, and the Bible from the side of the pain. And its beginning point is not sin management, but where is the suffering? The Bible is a text in travail. Sometimes the Bible uh, writers catch a glimpse of God's true character, love, mercy, and justice. And sometimes they lose sight of it. Religion starts with setting boundaries, rituals, and rules about who is in and who is out. And we have to develop the capacity for self-criticism, as the prophet so well did, which is really the necessary second stage. And if we do both of these stages well, we will be catapulted toward wisdom and holiness. Another way to look at this is a series of order, disorder, reorder. Healthy religion is all about getting you to the third reorder. You must learn the wisdom of both the first and second stages before moving on. Exodus 14, 14, I will do the work for you. You only need to be still. From the very beginning, we see the message of divine grace forming. It's a beautiful passage. The biblical text keeps self-correcting. It reveals an alternative consciousness, and it critiques itself. This is the necessary disorder that keeps all order from becoming idolatrous and self-serving. Liberation theology, the prophets, and the view from the side of the pain is necessary to move us into the third stage of true wisdom. Without rejecting either order or disorder, grace will move you toward God's reorder. This is enlightened awareness. And as Exodus 14 says, we only need to be still and know. Still I know that I Be still I know that I 
still and know that Be still and know that Be still and know Be still and know Be still and Be still and Be still Still and know that I am love. Still and know that I am love. Still and know that I am. Still and know that I am. Still and know that I. Still and know that I. Still and know. Still and Bible is most extraordinary because it repeatedly and invariably legitimizes the people on the bottom and not the people on the top. The rejected son, the barren woman, the sinner, the leper, or the outsider who is the one chosen by God. In every case, we are presented with some form of powerlessness and from that situation, God creates a new kind of power. Election has nothing to do with worthiness, but only divine usability. Usability normally comes from having walked through one's own wrongness or littleness. As Jesus says in Matthew twenty sixteen. The last will be first, and the first will be last. David was the forgotten son who then became the beloved son of Yahweh, the archetypal whole man of Israel, laying the foundation for the son of David, Jesus. In case after case, the victim becomes the real victor, the privileged position of the victim. In Jesus, we have an example of God taking sides. It starts with one who empties himself of all divinity, Philippians 2, comes as a homeless baby in a poor family, then a refugee in a foreign country, then an invisible carpenter in his own country, which is colonized and occupied by an imperial power, ending as a criminal, 
accused in torture by heads of both systems of power, temple and empire, abandoned by most of his inner circle, subjected to death by a most humiliating and bizarre public ritual, and finally buried quickly in an unmarked grave. If God in any way planned this storyline, God surely intended the message to be subversive, clear, and unavoidable. When we lose the priority of God's love in weak, fragile humanity, we lose the Christ, the foundation on which we stand as Christians. And incarnational bias is evident today in our culture. Compassion continues the incarnation by allowing the Word of God to take root within us to be enfleshed in us. The incarnation is not finished. It is not yet complete, for it is to be completed in us. God and me are one. Only by solidarity with other people's suffering can comfortable people be converted. 
only by solidarity with other people's suffering can comfortable people be converted. Otherwise, we are disconnected from the cross of the world, of others, of Jesus, and finally of our own necessary participation in the great mystery of dying and rising. After Jesus' death and resurrection, the first Christians go underground. They are the persecuted ones, meeting in secrecy in the catacombs. And during this time, we see a lot of good interpretation of the scriptures with a liberationist worldview a view from the bottom. The church then was largely of the poor and for the poor. And as the church's interests became linked with imperial worldviews, the perspective changed to the view from the top with power, money, status, and control. Instead of Jesus's and scripture's view from the bottom and powerless, the persecuted, the outsiders. In the early Christian scriptures, or the New Testament, we clearly see that it's mostly the lame, the poor, the blind, the prostitutes, the drunkards, the tax collectors, the sinners, those on the bottom and the outside that really hear Jesus' teaching and get the point and respond to him with love, mercy, and justice. Human dignity and human flourishing is inherent, universal, and indestructible by any evaluation, whether it be race, religion, gender, nationality, class, education, or social position. Paul told shamed populations that they were temples of the divine, and this made hearts burn with desire and hope. You are the temple of God. Then we have the Acts account of Pentecost, which goes out of its way to emphasize God's favor is both totally democratic and unmerited. It was meant to be the end of all tribal, ethnic, and elitist religion. Paul's teachings then restored human dignity at a time of oppression and injustice. As he says in Galatians 3, or Galatians 3, 26 through 28, you... All of you are sons and daughters of God in Christ Jesus. All of you. There is no distinction between male or female, Greek or Jew, slave or free, but all of you are one in Christ Jesus. You are the very temple of God. Love, mercy, and justice. Well, as we come to the close of this reflection, 
let us take this moment to connect with love, mercy, and justice within. With eyes closed and hands on heart, rest in the silence. Be still for one minute to connect with love, mercy, and justice. Continuing in this quiet moment for the next few minutes, you're invited to reflect on your experience, to reflect on it, not to think about it or analyze it, but to look in deep into your heart and see what is reflected there. As deep calls unto deep, Open yourself to awe, wonder, and grace, and see what arises in the deep pools of your heart. Maybe there's one word or one feeling, maybe one short little phrase that's arising for you. And we'll take this quiet moment to let you reflect there for a while.
you're invited, if it feels appropriate for you, to share in the chat section what arose for you. What did you see in the reflection of your heart? Now just pause for a little bit because of the delay. Each week we offer you a spiritual practice to help support you on your spiritual path. And this week the spiritual practice is self-emptying. And you can find the guidelines for this practice on the Contemplative Inner Being website. I'll post the link for that into the chat section. Now I'm just going to take a few minutes to go through that guideline with you. First, we'll start with the scripture from Philippians 2, verses 3 through 8. Make my joy complete by being of a single mind, one in love, one in heart, and one in mind. Nothing is to be done out of jealousy or vanity. Instead, out of humility of mind, everyone should give perfect preference to others. Everyone pursuing not selfish interests, but those of others. Make your own the mind of Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, becoming as human beings are, and being in every way like a human being. He was humbler yet, even to accepting death, death on a cross. Jesus consistently asked people to come after me or to follow me. Eventually, he leads us to the cross. Victory is not the avoidance of suffering or death, but precisely death transformed. This is what God does with people who say yes to the process. In the passage that I read, Paul uses the Greek word kenosis to describe Jesus' act of self-emptying and surrender. Contemplative prayer is a practice of self-emptying. At its most basic, contemplation is letting go of our habitual thoughts, preferences, judgments, and feelings. Though life itself is almost our most powerful teacher, through great love and great suffering, contemplation is a daily, small death to false self and ego. It makes space for true self to reappear, to rise from the ashes of our partial and protected self. Contemplation teaches us to live in an undefended way. Little by little, we can let go of the need to prove ourselves right or superior. 
Contemplation retrains our brains to understand the bias from the bottom, to know with true humility and love. If you do not already have a regular contemplative or meditative practice, I encourage you to begin with just a few minutes of silence every day, emptying your mind of patterned, mostly negative thoughts to prevent, to simply be present to presence. So we'll conclude our session today with my gratitude for you being here, whether at the live session or the recorded session. A blessing and a song. May we see with the eyes of our heart. May we love one another with joy and compassion. May all beings come to know the divine presence within. And may your days and week to come be traveled on the path of conscious love. Peace to all, light to all, love to all. Satnam. Amen. Today's music was provided by Simon DeVoyle, Surgeon Kaur, and Paul Isaac. How many lifetimes have I spent searching For something that can't be explained For something that can't be tamed Searching for someone to show me the way Tell me that it's okay To work through my suffering So I look within, I find myself anew And let this light shine through In everything that I do If darkness should fall, I'll call upon this light Remember that my heart was touched When I felt the Shakti rise And I Look into the eyes of, the eyes of love Look into the eyes of, the eyes of love Look into the eyes of, the eyes of love Look into the eyes of, the eyes of love My heart is open and there is more to come More less to this mind More work to be done The masks I wear are slowly peeling off Cause there's no need to hide From this truth inside 
A seed's been planted and this tree will grow And the fruits that I sow Will surely feed the soul So my friend, I am done waiting Yes, I'm here now And I surrender As I look into the eyes of The eyes of love Look into the eyes of The eyes of love I look into the eyes of The eyes of love I look into the eyes of The eyes of love I look in through the eyes of The eyes of love And now I'm looking through the eyes of The eyes of love I'm looking through I'm looking through I'm looking through I'm looking through Coalesce is created, quilted, and shared in a gentle embrace. Our thanks to Rev. Robert Farrell for giving his voice to the path of conscious love. You are me and I am you. Isn't it obvious that we enter our? We pray Coalesce enriches and deepens your experience on the path of conscious love.